Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. Whether you've played in a band or you're a fan of them, you probably know that 
everyone needs to get jobs between going on tours and making records. So this is where I get some of those stories. Joyce Manor have just released their new album, 40 Ounce to Fresno. It's excellent and it's full of those amazing hooks and lyrics that Barry Johnson and Joyce Manor do. This episode is supported by 2000 Trees Festival, taking place from the 6th to the 9th of July in Cheltenham, just a few hours away from London, where Idols, Jimmy Eat World, Thrice and Turnstile will be headlining. It's one of the biggest independent rock festivals in the UK and there are so many, so many good bands playing. Together Pangea, Kneecap, Mannequin Pussy, High Viz, who are releasing a new song this week. So many great bands. If you want to go but haven't got your ticket yet, you can get 10% off by using the voucher code 101POD. That's 101POD to get 10% off your ticket. That's saving you some cash that could be used well elsewhere. If you want to go to 2000 Trees Festival, one of the biggest independent rock festivals in the UK, you can get your money off. 101 Pod. You can see the full lineup and get your tickets from 2000treesfestival.co.uk. It's Barry Johnson from Joyce Manor. Go well. Cheers. kind of period of, of time when you're 17 18 that's kind of a weird pivotal moment right or pivotal period yeah yeah because you're trying to identify what you're gonna do everyone around you's talking about what they're gonna do next i had little to no ambition i um i probably pictured myself best case scenario becoming manager of a grocery store or something like that and yeah i just kind of cared about going to shows and going to parties and you know, uh, listening to music. And then I knew I was gonna have to make money somehow. And I didn't really feel like I had any, uh, I wasn't going to go to school, you know? And so I was kind of like, well, what can I do? I just thought um, hopefully maybe I'd become a bartender, but I know that can be kind of hard to get into. Yeah. Either bartender or grocery store worker. I kind of pictured myself ending up there. Was that the kind of, cause I guess where you live informs so much of that kind of shit, you know, sure. and, the, and the people around you. Cause you know, that's what's in front of you. That's what you, yeah. that's where the possibilities are. What, what what was around you at the time? Was it that stuff? What was around me? So I grew up in Torrance, which is Southern California. It's kind of, um, it's inland from the beach, but it's kind of just be, like beachy sort of. Um, there's not a lot going on. There's a Toyota, Toyota, you know, the car company, Toyota. They had a factory there. There's some aerospace stuff nearby. So a lot of like Kids I went to school with, their dad worked in aerospace, like defense, like Raytheon and shit like that. Um, didn't really think I had any particular talent. I didn't start writing songs till I was 17. So the very end of high school, I started writing songs and they weren't very good. Like it just sounded like Operation Ivy ripoff kind of. And uh, I eventually got better at it, but that was kind of years down the line. But yeah, I, ne- I never had any ambitions of working in, in music or, or movies or anything, despite liking I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't say, even say I was like into movies, you know, I just, I liked watching the Simpsons. I liked, you know, uh, but yeah, I, I, I had no real ambitions. Was that like being, growing up and like being around like punk in California, you know, I guess I'm thinking like offspring entrepreneurial side of it. And, you know, you saw Epitaph and Fat, you know, you saw them doing, starting their own shit, being pretty organized about it. None of that felt like it was, um it felt like it might as well have been on mars like growing up in torrance like it was nowhere i wasn't like rubbing elbows with people like that you know what i mean like that was um i might as well have been growing up in cleveland do you know what i mean like 
Torrance feels very separate from from everything. Uh, and like no bands came to Torrance. Like um, there was a couple bands from nearby, like San Pedro is near Torrance and you got Mike Watt. You also have um, Recess Records, yeah, which is like a Todd, you know, Todd, Toys That Kill and all that great stuff. So once I got a little older, I kind of became aware of the scene that was going on there and they would throw house shows and stuff. I saw some great bands play um, this house in Pedro, but that was more kind of like my later, like just at the end of high school, early like college age stuff. So that actually was pretty eye opening because I knew that like Toys That Kill went on tour and like they played fast and they'd like, you know, been FYP had been to Europe and stuff and they knew the propaganda guys. I just knew they were doing real stuff, you know, like, and uh, that was inspiring because it's like, whoa, these guys are like from around here, you know? And um, even at that stage, like they just seemed like, uh, again, they didn't seem that ambitious. They were just kind of stoked to be doing it. And like, you know, I think a lot of people have been doing it that long. Some people are like, oh, why don't you hang it up? Like, you're never going to be, you're never going to make it. You know what I mean? But it wasn't really that much about making it as it was like, um, getting to know people and setting up shows for other bands and having bands set up shows for you. So that was kind of my introduction to that, to that world. And um, that, that was pretty huge. One of meeting someone like Todd and, and seeing that recess records world happening, did that give some kind of like shape to what you kind of saw yourself becoming? Well, it, it fit for me because yeah, a lot, the, all those dudes work jobs, you know, like Sean Cole bartends and, uh, Chachi's like a longshoreman and Jimmy uh, does some kind of tech thing. But they also like go play, they get like flown out to do festivals and stuff. So yeah, it just seemed like it, it was the right amount of like, whoa, they're really doing it. But it's like a realistic life choice. Like I just pictured myself playing in bands. Like I could picture myself being in my 30s and 40s playing house shows. Like, and I was stoked on that. I was like, my love for music and punk in my early 20s was just all consuming and i couldn't imagine a time in my life where i wasn't just all in on it you know and and it didn't require having to like make it or support myself through doing it so there was nothing that could like stop you from doing it because you know you just you go to work and then you gig and and fucking hang out and write songs and stuff and you know toys that kill are writing like great great songs and going to work. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't speak to the quality of their music. It's like, oh yeah, we're, we're this like okay band. They're a fucking great band. So yeah, it, it was, that was, that was pretty game changing for me. And talking about bands to, to look up to and be like, you know, you don't have to quote unquote make it, whatever that means, this kind of mythological thing. You look, look, look at a band like, look at Robert Pollard, look at, look at GBV and being like, yeah. that's how you, that's how you can be a band. Yeah, I think that's interesting because the first Strokes headlining tour, Guided by Voices opened. Either Guided by Voices opened or, or the Strokes were opening for Guided by Voices, but the Strokes had blown up. And like, anyway, my point being, the Strokes then inspired the Killers and then the Killers blew up like to actually be an arena band. And the Strokes were always like frustrated that it's like, why aren't we as big as the killers. You know what I mean? I feel like we have the songs, like we're fucking killer live, just like they are, but we're not as big as the killers. So you can always perceive yourself to be a failure. Gotta be voices 
are super influential to the strokes and have, you know, a million great songs and are a fucking amazing live band, but they never rose to the height of the strokes. The strokes never rose to the height of the killers. So it's like they all could be perceived as either a failure or success relative to, to whatever else. So I don't know. You can feel frustrated or grateful either way is what I mean to say. So we're playing at the Long Beach Arena. I'm stoked about it, but it makes me feel kind of weird because I never had ambitions like that. You know, like I never, like Matt Ebert, our bass player, saw his first show ever there. It was um, Bad Religion and Blink-182 at the Long Beach Arena back in like 2000 or something like that, or 99 or 2000. And um, I was asking him, like, when you were a little kid, did you kind of like fantasize about being up there one day like you know when you're a kid watching sports you're like i want to be a professional athlete one day like or i want to be a professional soccer player i want to be a professional baseball player or like i didn't even have that as a kid like when i would go see afi or something i, I wasn't like that'll be me one day like so it's really weird to be to be playing the long beach arena i just i just kind of feel in awe of it and grateful and not not really um why aren't we more popular? You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm pretty shocked that a, a band, a pop punk band with blast beats that writes sub 20 minute records is playing an arena, an arena, you know, that, that just all seems fucking crazy to me. So what did Matt say when you asked him that question? He said, not, he said, not really. No, he kind of didn't know. He's like, I don't remember, but I don't think so. I, I think like, and I kind of mean like, not like you wouldn't even maybe say it out loud, but part of you is kind of dreaming. Oh, like, Mm-hmm. I'm envisioning myself. Wow. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like I just didn't even think like, I didn't, I didn't want to be an astronaut. I didn't want to be the fucking president. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't see, see this for myself and it's very surprising. Have you ever like gone through, I mean, yeah, I guess everyone does go through downtimes doubting yourself or. Yeah, totally. Feeling not that cool. Yeah. Or just like a hack, you know, like a, because people like fucking horrible music that is, you know, so you think like, oh man, like people, people like my band. And then you just think like, you know, maybe I'm a fucking hack songwriter and the people who, who like it just don't have good taste or, you know, whatever. Like just, there's some days where I, I don't think that we're very good. And, you know, there's other, I struggle with confidence issues sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Always have. We work really, really hard to try to write good songs and to try to um, uh, maintain a level of quality over, over like numerous records. And um, yeah, when you care about something, you know, and you're just having an off day where like, you know, there's like a gray cloud over you or whatever, you know, I just try not, try not to look at my own work. Cause you know, it's, it's what, um, it's what I've dedicated my life to, to writing, you know, the best songs I could possibly write. And some days it just feels like, wow, that, that's what you fucking came up with the fucking heart tattoo, the song heart, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm just like, wow, what a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, but that's a piece of light. You know, that's like someone famous said, you know, the, the, uh, the universal is in the specific and it's yeah, like, cool. Well, yeah. I mean like, I, and dude, I there's like, other days I got a heart tattoo. <laughs> yeah. No, there's other days where I could hear that song and be like, I'm a fucking genius. Like this song is, is like, <laughs> It's like Mar- it's like more Mark Hoppus than Mark Hoppus. You know, like it's um it just depends on, on my mood. So when I'm when I'm when I'm feeling kind of um down or depressed or you know whatever fucking grouchy or irritable or curmudgeon-y, I just try to not 
look at my own work <laughs> and get down on it, you know. Mark Hoppus, have you have you have you spoken? Do you know each other? Fans of each other's music? Yeah, we're fans. We're mutual fans. Um he likes the song Heart Tattoo, especially, which I just find like kinda kinda crazy. But um but he's 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 been kind towards other other stuff too. On his radio show he played our song Eighteen, which um you know, everything we do is is Blink One Eighty Two uh influenced, but you know, Heart Tattoo is like Jesus Christ, that is um that is Blink One Eighty Two worship. So I do think it's kind of funny that he's like really into us worshiping his band. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When I heard Think I'm Still in Love with You, I remember the first thing I thought when you sang the line, all I do is hang around. I was like, that put me in the place of, of, of asking these kinds of questions years ago. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I think, yeah, being unemployed between tours is not good for me. And I, I get into a depressive, um, depressive episodes. Um, and so I usually try to find a job between tours. And so I've had a bunch of jobs, um, which I think is what we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah, this is the place. <laughs> this is the, yeah, you yeah, see, yeah. That, you see yeah. that segue? You got it. We got us there. Yeah. One of the most interesting jobs I had, which only lasted a day, it was one of the most fucked up days of my life, actually. I, uh, I worked at a restaurant called Mimi's Cafe for years. And this is like during the very beginning of Joyce Manor, like the folk punk era, all the way through the second record. So I wrote all the first first record. I wrote a lot of it at work. Um, like I'd run to the back and I'd, I'd have to call my own number to leave a voicemail of like, you know, Orange Julius or 21st Dead Rats. Yeah, like. I would be neglecting my work duties in order to do that. And like, people are like, what the, what the fuck are you doing? Where have you been? And then I, and then I'd like revise it and I'd have to go do it again. And yeah. Um, Lyrics or melody. Uh, usually I, I start with melody almost always. So, but usually they have lyrics attached to them. There's kind of scrap lyrics and my better songs. I usually stick with the, the, the scratch lyrics that come with the melody are good on a lot of my better songs. So Constant Headache came just fully formed, melody and lyrics. I wrote it in like five minutes. But yeah, I, I wrote a bunch of some of my favorite Joyce Manor songs just while while waiting tables. And um, I was working there and I waited on this guy called Curly and he had this like kind of steampunk mustache and he's this older guy and he would always come in with these like younger babes. And... I actually wasn't waiting on him. A friend of mine was waiting on him. He's like, dude, check it out. That guy just tipped me with two joints and, and cash. Like he, but he left two joints like in the, in the um, book. He's like, I don't smoke weed. Do you want them? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then I was like, that's fucking crazy. Why is he just, this is before like medical marijuana. This is before recreational marijuana. It's like pretty, pretty wild ass thing to do. Like just leave uh two joints as a tip. And um, I was like, what, what's up with that? And he's like, Oh, he's a, uh, he grows weed for um, medical marijuana, which you could only get with like a prescription back then or a doctor's note, you know? So he's grown it, and it but it was federally illegal. So it was like kind of sketchy. 
And I was like, oh, crazy. He's like, yeah, he offered me a job. It, it pays like, I think it was like 15 bucks an hour, which was a lot back then to trim weed. And I was like, oh, are you going to do it? And he's like, no, uh, I'm, you know, I work, I'm waiting tables here and I'm in school. I don't, I don't have time. And I was like, do you care if I call him? Like, I'll do it. I want to do it. And uh, he's like, yeah, sure, I guess. So so I just called this guy. I was like, yeah, I waited on you the other day. Like, you gave me, you tipped me in some joints. I heard you're like hiring someone to trim weed. And he's like, yeah, man, come by, come by. So I go to this weird industrial part of Long Beach that's like kind of sketchy. It's like kind of late at night. And I have to like go in the back. And he's kind of like, was anybody following you? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't think so. I took I took the bus over there anyway. So I, I walked up and he's like, okay, cool. And then we talked for a little bit. He kind of shows me about trimming weed. And then he's like, do you like tequila? And I was like, yeah, for sure I do. And then so like me and this like old dude and his like young girlfriend, hippie girlfriend are just like sitting around kind of talking. And it's kind of a weird, weird scene. And I'm kind of just sipping tequila with him. And he's like pouring me all these different tequilas and getting kind of drunk. And then I don't really smoke a ton of weed. I'm not that good at smoking weed. Like it kind of... um it turns me weird, but I don't want him to know. I want to think I'm cool. So he's like, do you want to smoke some of this like crazy weed, you know, medical fucking weed, which wasn't around as much back then. You get, you would get it, but it wasn't like it is now where the fucking people are doing dabs and shit. So he's got this crazy medical weed and I'm like, yeah, sure. And I hit it and then I just kind of become totally useless. And I'm just like really bugged out. Like looking at this guy that's all old and then looking at his like hippie, babe girlfriend and then just looking back at him and i'm just like i gotta get out of here i was like i gotta go and he's like for sure man well let me know when you want to come back and i was like okay and he didn't really teach me anything about trimming weed he like showed me how to do it once and was just like you want some tequila it's like he just wanted to hang out kind of and then i was like all right i'm gonna get out of here and i go and i go i'm waiting for the bus I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm the only person around and I'm really stoned and I'm kind of drunk. And, oh, he didn't pay me. He just gave me a bunch of weed. So I have a backpack full of weed. And this is before, like I said, it's before recreational. I'm like kind of sketched out to have all this weed. And I'm just sitting there and every car that drives by is a cop car. And I'm just like, fuck, this is, this is weird. Like, should I just ditch this weed? Like, I don't want to get like busted for it having like a sellable amount of weed and I'm kind of like a little sketched out. I'm like, uh, you're just high. Don't worry about it. Nothing's going to happen. And another cop car goes by and another cop car goes by. I'm just like, this is so fucking weird, man. And then this car pulls up and they roll down their window and they're like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. But I'm like, nah, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. And he's like, are you sure? He's like, you're sure you're okay. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm okay. And he's like, you're sure you're okay. And I was like, I'm fucking just waiting for the bus, man. Like, yeah, I'm okay. Okay. So he drives and like, does a, does a U-turn and kind of drives by and looks at me and drives by. And I'm just like, I'm so fucking sketched out. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? And then I, I have headphones in and I'm just kind of like, it's cool. You're cool. You're just high. That's, that's normal. What just happened? You're just high. I'm like, I'm like, that's not fucking normal. That was so weird. And then um, I kind of I kind of sense something behind me. I'm just like, what the fuck is that? And so I take out my headphones, and it says "person wearing a burqa," 
and I can just see their eyes. And they say, they're, they're saying, do you want some head? Do you want some head? Do you want some head? And I'm just like, get the fuck away from me. What the fuck is going on? And I just take off running. And I, I just run like out of this industrial area. Like I ran probably like a, a mile or so like towards home. And then I was like in a more populated area. And then I just waited for the bus. And I, I put it together later what happened. So this area is kind of like near like a truck. It's, it's an industrial zone, but there's kind of a truck stop. And it is a spot for prostitution. Um, I gather later, there's like truckers around there and people are getting suck jobs and stuff. And those are the only people hanging around. That's why there's cops patrolling, looking for prostitution happening. And I was like solicited by a prostitute that's like in camouflage because of cops. And I did, but I'm fucking, I have no idea what's going on. I'm there to like learn how to trim weed. I just like totally blew it. But um, I just never went back. I was like, so, it was so, um, so scarring. But anyway, we, we, me and, me and the guys made weed brownies. And one of our first shows with merch was just weed brownies. We didn't have t-shirts or music or anything. We just had $5 weed brownies at our merch table. And um, I heard later from somebody who bought one that they didn't work at all. So, so we made, we didn't even make them well. Um, Yeah. That was like the earliest choice man. Our merch was, was weed brownies that I got from that just horrific night. You're going to be DJing in Long Beach. Yeah, I've been DJing around Long Beach. It's fun. I, I, um, that was just out of, of out of, um, I've been asked a handful of times. I got, I got a couple of friends that own bars here and stuff, and they're asked me to like DJ some show or something they have going on. Like a friend of mine had like a anniversary party for his bar. He's like, dude, you want to DJ? Like, because we you know we're always talking about music and stuff, and and I always just have said no. Like, I, I don't do it because I didn't know how. Like, I didn't know how to how to DJ. I don't know how to use the. I know how to use a turntable, but I don't know how to use two of them at once. And I just decided that I was going to figure it out. Like I've been working on my confidence. It's like, you know what? And so I figured it out. I went by, I went by the bar when, before they opened and he showed me how it works. It's really easy. And then I, yeah, I DJed that my friend's bar's anniversary party. And it was a lot of fun. I only fucked up twice. One time I changed the record that I was playing. I went to change it and just fucking like literal record scratch moment, like took the needle off the record that I was playing and everyone turned and looked at me and I was like, fuck, like, this is why I didn't want to do this, you know? And then I tried to like, I tried to put the needle on a couple times, like this was, it was like uh, awful sounding, you know? And uh, I was like, fuck, 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 oh, fuck. And I just wish, I just put on a new record and everyone was like, it's okay, dude. Like, it wasn't that noticeable. It's like, it was fucking really, really noticeable. Some nice friends. Um, yeah, totally. But then I, uh, and then, <laughs> And I DJed again a couple nights ago and I didn't fuck up at all. And it was great. Like people were dancing and shit. I, no- I noticed I need to get more drum machine music. I have a lot of guitar music, like a lot of, um, a lot of power pop and, you know, proto punk and early punk shit, a lot of 60s stuff. And, um, that stuff's great. It's, it's, I, I mean, it's some, it's my, it's my favorite music, but once I played like Madonna and like new order, like people, we're way into it. But yeah, it's, you know, free drinks. It's fun. It gets me out of the house and yeah, get to play records. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's just, a, it's a new, it's a new thing for me. So look, look into 40 ounce to Fresno and looking to like the six months ahead. And, you know, it, is it, is it getting back into the tumble dryer of the kind of campaign 
How does it? How does it? Yeah. Feel? Uh, it's my least favorite part. I, I don't like doing interviews. I don't like, um, I don't like talking <laughs> about it. I, I just, I just would rather not talk about, um, the process or I just kind of feel like, um, it taints it in a way. Like it's, you, you know, it's like, um, it's trying to take the magic out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you should see how the sausage is made, you know, just like enjoy, enjoy the sausage, you know, like, but, um, but you, this is, you know, you got it, you got to do this shit. And like, you know, this is part of the, part of the job. It's a great fucking job. The rest of it is like fucking free drinks and playing electric guitar and hanging out with your friends. It's like the easiest, most fun, rewarding job on earth, you know, and like getting to like write songs and connect to your spirituality as a songwriter and stuff like that is uh, priceless. I love getting off work. I, I, I'm looking forward to getting a job again at some point. Just, I love getting off work. Like that's, that's like the best feeling. Like being at work kind of sucks sometimes, but getting off work, fuck, that's a good feeling. There's a word for it, a German word, Feierabend. And that means finish work, have a beer. Dude, that's what, yeah, fire, yeah. I'm gonna get that fucking tattooed on my forehead, man. That's like, <laughs> that's my favorite shit. Just to end with, and thanks so much for your time. What's the next job? You know, when you got some downtime, talking about that, looking forward to getting some fire abend. Like, what? Yeah. Anything in mind? Anything you've walked past in your town recently? I would really like to try being a barista. I I worked at Starbucks, and I actually fucking like loved it. It was really fun. Me and Todd from Toys of Kill and Isaac opened a bar in San Pedro that I'll probably work at. Um, Amazing. What's that called? The Sardine. It's Isaac and Todd mostly. I, I put in some money and was I was more involved around the beginning and it became very clear that like they're the they got this. Like, you know, I got busy with Joyce Manor stuff and they're they're just they're crushing it. Like it's it's such a cool place. And um actually our first show back from the pandemic, we did a secret show there and it was just super fun. And um so I'll probably end up bartending there. But um Maybe I would, I would like to try coffee. I like coffee hours and yeah. I like coffee and I'll probably get over it and then get fired and then go on tour. <laughs> the idea of having loads of jobs in your life is kind of attractive to me. Cause you learn. Oh, I've had a bunch. Yeah. I you love learn it. Different, yeah. You learn different stuff. I want, you know, I want to learn different stuff in my life. That's exciting. Exactly. And I, I'm a little bit like intimidated by stuff and I'm trying to do more stuff that's intimidating. Like, learning how to DJ or something like that. So I might just end up picking up a couple little hustles, but two days a week at a coffee shop sounds kind of sick. Just to get that, what do you call it again? Fire abend. Fire abend. Yeah. Get that lunch, you know, get off work at two and just get a fucking burger and a beer. Looking forward to it. Mate, thank you so much. Yeah, good to talk to you, Giles. Later, man. So there was Barry Johnson from Joyce Manor, whose new album, 40 Ounce to Fresno, is out now. It's totally brilliant, and you can listen to it 50 times in two hours. What's not to love? See you next week. Here's Cox Barrow. I've been working all day, got me mate on the side. Running around like a blue-ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day, got me mate. Every bleeding minute I've been on the go. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, 
the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.